Good morning. We are coming to the time for the sermon, and this is quite closely linked to the all age talk. Now, the closing words in that talk were, and that is what Jesus longs to do for every person on this planet. He wants to make bad things good and nasty people nice, if they will let him, of course. And this sums up the reading today from Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. Listen to it again, please. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bandage those whose hearts are broken, to announce to the captives liberty and to those who are bound release, to announce the Lord's year of favour and our God's day of vengeance, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty for ashes, the oil of gladness for mourning, the garment of praise for a faint spirit, and they shall be called oaks of righteousness and planting of the Lord to beautify him. The context of this passage was the announcement of the role of God's anointed servant to his people Israel, as they were in exile in Babylon at that time and doubtful of God's ability to help them. The gods of Babylon seemed much, much stronger than Yahweh, the God of Israel, and they desperately needed hope and encouragement from Almighty God. Then in the New Testament, in Luke 4.18, we hear Jesus stood up in the synagogue at the beginning of his ministry, and he read those words from Isaiah. And at the end, he said, today, these words are fulfilled in your hearing. For these promises of the purposes of God Almighty stretched way beyond the Israelites exiled in Babylon to all the world. For God so loved the world that he, he gave his only begotten son for its salvation. So this, in a nutshell, is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Messiah the chosen and anointed son of the living God. And today I want to explore this gospel as written by Isaiah and retold by Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. And in particular, to look at who this gospel is aimed at, what is promised, and our calling and response that flows from it. So who is the gospel aimed at? Well, Isaiah tells us it is specifically for the poor. This is not just those who are in financial need. The Hebrew word goes much, much deeper. I'm going to quote from one of the commentaries I read as to the definition of what it means to be poor, as it says it all. The poor are those who are so broken by life that they have no more heart to try. Those who are so bound up in their various addictions that liberty and release seem a cruel mirage. The poor are those who think they will never again experience the favour of the Lord or see his vengeance meted out on those who have misused them. Those who think that their lives hold nothing more than ashes, sackcloth 
and a fainting heaviness of despair. So this definition covers those in great need, particularly the exiles in Babylon at the time of writing. But Jesus offers his good news to all who know they cannot manage life without his help. Those who have come to realise that life in this world is transistory and can change in a moment from a life of happiness, material success and apparent peace to a life of fear and despair after something evil and unexpected may happen beyond our control. The supposed blessings and riches of this world cannot save us from such. They are passing away, and just like when COVID-19 struck, life changes overnight, and the rug is pulled out from under our feet, and our hopes and dreams are so easily dashed. So, the essential meaning of those who are defined as poor are those who recognise that there is a God beyond their experience who loves the human race and wants to interact with them in order to help them. And in their poverty, they are willing to admit that God knows better than they do and that his resources will be enough and much more to help them. The second point of this passage is to spell out the nature of the good news of Jesus Christ. Isaiah makes some amazing claims about what this Messiah will do for people. It all seems a bit impossible when you look at it through human eyes. Too good to be true, as they say. This brings me to the issue of God's word. How much do we actually trust it to come to pass? Or does it feel like the prophet is just hurling random, consoling words with not much chance of them ever becoming reality in our experience? If God's words are just empty promises, then we are worse off with a delusional hope that benefits us nothing. That is not good news. Now, I love listening to the weather forecast first thing in the morning. I get them breakfast and sit glued to, to BBC breakfast at 7.57 each morning to see what the weather is going to be like over the next few days. And now, great news, I have a weather app on my phone that tells me what the weather is going to be, hour by hour, day and night, in any part of the UK I care to enter into the search box. Trouble is, I cannot really trust it totally as sometimes things change and one moment my app says sun and the next you know it's absolutely tipping it down of rain and very wet but that's the nature of the weather forecast mostly right but sometimes wrong due to unforeseen weather fronts but God is not like that Isaiah says in chapter 55 verse 11 so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth it shall not return to me void without fruit, but it shall accomplish what I please. In other words, when God speaks, that word has within it the power to do what the word says. Creation is a good example of that. When he said, let there be light, there was light. And whether you are a creationist who believes that God created the world in six days, or if you wonder if evolution might be the way God made the world, in which case it took a very long time. 
but both tell us the same thing. When God speaks, it will happen. That is the power of God's word. We have a group in Harrow Baptist Church, which most of you will know about, called Coffee, Cake and Prayers. We used to meet every couple of weeks to pray for our church. We also studied a lot about the nature of prayer. And indeed, Andrew has just recently finished the prayer course on Zoom. One thing I think we would all agree about is that prayer in reality is a bit like my weather app. Sometimes it comes to pass and sometimes it does not. And we have spent long hours in coffee, cake and prayers trying to figure out why our prayers are apparently not answered. Well, I was reading through John verse chapter 15, verses 7 to 8 a few days ago. And these were the words I read that amaze me, even though I've read them so many times before. Jesus said to his disciples, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you desire and it shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you shall be my disciples. The good news of Jesus Christ, recounted by Isaiah, was God's word to Jesus as the Messiah. This was specific to him for all time. This was what he was to do. This was his major purpose in life. And when he prayed for people to be healed, they were. And when he cast out demons, they went. That is why the gospel is good news. It is not hit and miss, because what Jesus was told to do, he can and will do. So his mission to heal the brokenhearted, to release people from their sins, to comfort those who mourn, to replace the ashes worn by those in much grief by a crown of beauty, to give the anointing of gladness instead of a life based on mourning, and the ability to praise instead of a faint heart. The good news can be summed up in the little phrase, instead of, the kingdom of God is all about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The good news says God wants to replace the bad with the good of his kingdom in every part of our lives and he has the power to do so. Sounds brilliant, but why don't we seem to experience these amazing things? Or why does it not turn out like we think it ought to, the way we've prayed? I have learnt that my interpretation of how God ought to do these things for me and those I pray for is not the same as his interpretation. That's why so much prayer goes seemingly unanswered. And it is often only when we look back that we see what God is doing. I have told you before about how it took God 45 years to release me from bondage to fear. He went as quick as I could go, but I now know he is in the job of saving to the uttermost until every last bit of fear and the grounds for fear are eradicated, and that takes time. So yes, God's purposes are summed up by Isaiah, but these are the end game objectives and more complicated more often than not, a long and complicated process that leaves us crying out, I just want to see some action, Lord. 
or I don't understand. The situation seems worse, not better. And I prayed. And that leads me on to our final point. Our response is faith, confidence in the purposes of God for us as the one who does all, who works all things together for good. And it is continuing to trust that when we see no action or things get worse, God is still on the case. When we pray, we may ask for God's word to pray into the situation for ourselves or for others. And in response, may give it, God may give us a word to pray that we might see an answer and glorify him. But it is always worth checking that we have heard correctly by asking God to somehow prove it is from him and that this is biblical as we are told to test all things in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. And if we are sure this is God's word, we may pray in faith it will happen. But more often than not, we do not have a specific word from God. So we give him the problem on the understanding that he can sort it out in his way, in his time. And he takes our petitions and gives us his peace that he is in control and will sort it. In conclusion, I want to tell you about a lady who has been coming to the HBC Tuesday coffee morning and then to Tuesday prayers in the sanctuary for around a year. She is a lady from a Hindu family and background who came to HBC seeking peace and help. She's just the sort of person who needed to have peace instead of fear, comfort instead of grief, hope instead of despair, and joy instead of feeling unhappy all the time. There are never many people at Tuesday prayers but we do have some regulars and one or two of them from Harrow Mencap most weeks. So I started to do a short talk about Jesus aimed at helping people to understand more about God. And this was just right for our Hindu lady who had no real understanding of the Christian faith. In these times, she would learn about the God of Isaiah 61, one to three, our study for today. And she would often stay after prayers. She would share her life history with me. And we would pray that Jesus would come to her and help her in the way Isaiah 61 speaks of. And Jesus did. And it more often than not happened there and then. None of this waiting and struggling for 45 years. And whilst there has been lockdown, I have been in regular contact with this lady by texting. I pray for her needs. And Jesus seems to come alongside her and help her, just like it says in his word. In fact, one day, a couple of weeks ago, she went to St. Margaret's in Uxbridge, which was open for private prayer. And Jesus met her and the glory of God fell upon her, leaving her very shaky. But she knew she had met with the living God. In all of these ways in which Jesus regularly meets with her, I stand amazed. This really is good news for her and my point. Part of our response to the good news of the gospel is to share it with others, to tell them how God wants to help them, to pray for them and help them as God directs. Isaiah finishes the passage by telling us that those who believe this gospel will be like oak trees of righteousness, strong in the Lord, and will glorify him. Let us pray.
Lord, we ask that your word may become real to us today, that we may know the God of the good news, the God who longs to make all things better. Show us how we can share your gospel with others today and give us the faith to know how to pray in order that you may be glorified. Amen.